this is Brett, and I'm just talking about Star Wars by myself on the Skywalk. What's up, Moof Milkers? Welcome to episode 104. There's a lot to discuss today, and I'll be doing it by myself uh, because the usual squad is not available. Lots of stuff going on in our lives. So I'll be laughing at my own jokes. Uh, I will be talking about Taika Waititi, Bob Iger, Clone Wars, and the High Republic. But before I do, social meteors. This is where the good Moof Milkers can find us on social media. On Apple Podcasts, search for The Skywalk, Skies in Sky, and Walk as in The Thing You Cook In, spelled W-O-K. Subscribe there, and please leave us a review. Seriously, people, if you can leave us a review, we would appreciate it so much. Uh, Spotify, same deal. Search for The Skywalk. Disgracebook, facebook.com slash The Skywalk. Twitter, at The Skywalk. Instagram, The Skywalk. Podomatic. Uh, Jeff's not here to do Jeff voice for this one. So I'm just going to tell you, it's starwarsovercoffee.podomatic.com. Uh, and there's a bunch of other ones, Stitcher, Podbean, Radio something or other, Radio FM. I think that's what it might be called. Before we get into the meat of the episode, as always, Waititi Watch. Waititi! Taika Waititi has won an Oscar, no big deal, for his Jojo Rabbit screenplay. And also, it was announced that he is developing a horror-slash-comedy series for Showtime, no big deal. And he's also finishing Next Goal Wins, another movie that he's making about a soccer team, and making Thor Love and Thunder. No big deal. And speaking of Taika, in huge YTD Watch news, Taika might get a Star Wars. What? At least those were the initial reports. It was being reported that Taika was being courted to create a Star Wars. Then Taika commented on this himself. He told Variety, I would... F hyphen ing love to dot 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 if it was right. I would want to do any kind of movie if it made sense and if it felt not like career suicide. So I wouldn't say it's a sure thing, but man, the idea of Taika creating a Star Wars, and we really have no idea what's coming up uh, for Star Wars on the big screen. We had talked late last year that there were rumors that an announcement would be made about the future of Star Wars films sometime early this year, but that's not happened yet. But man, it'd be great if it was Taika. Oh, yes. Uh, Let's get to some news nuggets. We've got a couple big ones. First of all, Bob Iger announced that he will be transitioning out of the CEO role and leaving in a year or two or something. And I say, well, see you later. Bye, Bob. I will not miss you. Next news nugget. A new Star Wars film from who? Hello, what have we here? A Hollywood reporter is reporting that a new Star Wars project is in the works from director J.D. Dillard and Luke Cage writer Matt Owens. Now, J.D. Dillard is the director of Slate or Slight. I don't know how it's pronounced. S-L-E-I-G-H-T. Slight, I would guess. Uh, Have any of you Moof Milkers seen this film? I find this very exciting. Uh, We've been saying for a while that Lucasfilm would eventually give a Star Wars to a black man or woman, but I'm still surprised that it may actually be happening. Um, 
People have speculated about who would be best to take on the future of Star Wars on film or the next iteration uh, of Star Wars on the big screen. Uh, And there's been a lot of good ideas out there. We know that Kevin Feige is working on something, possibly Taika Waititi, as we mentioned, who knows? And a lot of people's names are in the mix. But I think this is better, better than anything I've heard, even though I have no idea who these people are that are making it. I haven't seen anything they've done. Um, What makes me hopeful is that it makes me think that maybe, just maybe, and maybe this is too optimistic, but just maybe they had a great idea for what's next for Star Wars. Maybe Lucasfilm is taking the best available approach, which is in football, when you have the the draft every spring, which is coming up soon for this year, uh, there are some people who take what they need from the draft. So they say, oh, well, we need a wide receiver, so we're taking this guy. Others say, who is the best player, regardless of position, and we'll take them. And I hope that Lucasfilm is taking this approach with Star Wars in the sense of taking the best idea. Not, you know, Taika Waititi, who we love on this podcast, and I think he would do an amazing job with a Star Wars film, but that in itself does not mean you should give him a Star Wars film unless he's got an idea that has him excited to make a Star Wars film. And if these two guys have an idea that has them inspired and has everyone at Lucasfilm excited, then I think that's the way you should go. You should probably still get a woman in there. Something I want to mention from that article. This is a dead space horse that I refuse to stop beating. I'm going to read you a quote from the article. While Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker has grossed $1.07 billion globally since its December launch and will likely end its run as the sixth highest grossing film worldwide of 2019, the trend line for Star Wars films at the box office has declined during the Disney era since 2015's Force Awakens $2.07 billion haul. Here's where it takes a dumb turn. It says, The 2018 spin-off film Solo, in particular, grossed $392.9 million, which is very low, people, compared to the other ones, and led Bob Iger to concede last September in a New York Times profile that, quote, we might have put a little bit too much in the marketplace too fast. Imagine the idiocy of coming to this conclusion In the same year that Avengers Infinity War made $2.048 billion after being preceded within one year by Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, and Black Panther, becoming the fourth highest grossing film of all time. So I, I just think it's a downright careless conclusion to come to by Bob Iger to say that they put too much out too fast because they put out two Star Wars movies within a year of each other. Um, Anyways, like I said, see you later. You know, you don't have to wait two years to leave. Um, Next news nugget. And this is really the big one. This is, to me, so exciting. Lucasfilm to launch Star Wars The High Republic publishing campaign in 2020. So I'll give you a quick overview of exactly what this is all about. This is, of course, the thing that had been referred to as Project Luminous. Uh, I'm going to read you what they put out on StarWars.com. It says, Later this year, Lucasfilm will launch an epic new era of Star Wars storytelling that will be explored through multiple voices in adult and young adult novels, children's books, and comics from a variety of publishers, including blah, 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 who cares? 
Star Wars The High Republic will be set in an era when the Galactic Republic and the Jedi Order are at their zenith, about 200 years before the events of Star Wars The Phantom Menace. This period on the Star Wars timeline will not overlap any of the filmed features or series currently planned for production, giving creators and partners a vast amount of room to tell Star Wars stories with new adventures and original characters. I am so excited about this, but before I get into it, how are you, Move Milkers, feeling about Star Wars The High Republic? We put up a poll on Facebook, and 70% of you said you were feeling optimistic, as opposed to only 30% who were feeling meh. Um, Of course, it's too early to say how good these books will be and how good these stories will be, but I, too, am among the 70% who are very optimistic about this. But before you hear from me... Let's hear from our good friend and local hero, Steelbook Steve. Brett, Jeff, Steelbook Steve here, coming to you on tape delay from I-93 South in wonderful Wilmington. Let's talk about the High Republic. I'm a huge fan of this idea for one reason. Completely untouched timeline. Has... This hasn't been touched by the EU, you know, Legends. It hasn't been touched in canon. It's a completely blank slate. They made references to what they refer to as Jedi Knights of the Round Table. Yes, yes, please and thank you. Also, Jedi roaming the the frontier, if you would. The Republic isn't quite as big as it is at the Phantom Menace. So they get Jedi out there policing the police in the outskirts it's like Jedi Walker Texas Ranger you got a sweet sweet mid 90's beautiful Dodge Ram that they're driving around in with a hyperdrive the books that they've announced very exciting coming from Charles Soule really the author of some of the best if not the best Star Wars comics that have come out since uh, the Marvel relaunch in 2015 Claudia Gray coming out with a YA book Young Adult and I want people to, I don't want people to be worried about the fact that it's young adult because they need to they need to realize that Claudia did, Claudia Gray did Lost Stars which was young adult did a Princess Leia book which is young adult both were great she also did Bloodline that wasn't young adult but it was excellent outstanding track record and then there's another book I forget who's doing it it doesn't matter at this point Charles and Claudia yeah um yeah, like I said, untapped timeline. Untouched. We don't know what's going on other than the fact that the Republic is rocking and rolling. Big old Jedi Order. And uh, with 200 years from The Phantom Menace, we've got... They didn't mention it, but no reason to believe at some point Yoda doesn't show up. How could you not? Maybe a swole little Yoda? I'm excited. It's going to be fun. First book launches in August, a couple days before Anna, um, Celebration Anaheim. So that'll be interesting. All right, we're going to pause Steve right there so that we can talk about High Republic. And then we'll hear his thoughts on Clone Wars later and talk about that a little bit too. I agree 100% with Steelbook Steve, which is not always the case. Uh, but we're totally on the same page here. I am so optimistic. And here's why. Like Steve referenced, and it was mentioned too, there's a YouTube video Uh, on StarWars.com, where they basically just, it's kind of a promo uh, breakdown of what this whole thing is all about. A brave, bold new direction. 
is one of the quotes from that YouTube video. Uh, it's 200 years before the prequels. Quote, a golden time, a time of peace and prosperity. They also mentioned it was inspired by the Obi-Wan quote, which is, for over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic before the dark times, before the Empire. Does that sound like maybe a little Ringo? Uh, but it's also a time of galactic expansion, which means pirates, scoundrels, and of course, scavengers, which sounds really cool. We really need more pirates, like for real pirates. If you remember, before The Force Awakens came out, uh, I think it was the, the Vanity Fair photo shoot with Annie Leibovitz, where they showed Maz Kanata's, uh, they didn't show Maz, they showed the inside of her castle, which, come on, you're really going to call that a castle? Uh, and then they showed this gangly group of uh, scum and villainy that they described as pirates. And it's like, did anybody do anything piratey? Like Han walks in there like it's a cracker barrel and nobody's ever in danger. Anyway, so hopefully we get some more of that in Star Wars The High Republic. Then there's something called The Great Disaster that affects the entire galaxy and kicks off this story uh, in the first book, which is called Light of the Jedi and written by, as, as uh, Steve mentioned, beloved author Charles Soule. Um, so yeah, it, it's a time of peace and prosperity, but then of course something bad has to happen in order to have a good story. So there's something called uh, The Great Disaster. Excited to see what that's going to be. Um, and that book, Light of the Jedi, I mean, man. So, so the one thing, if you're not excited about this yet, uh, I'm going to pull this out right now. Like, just go look at the cover of Light of the Jedi. It's so beautiful. I think they nailed, like, the cover of this book is almost a proof of concept to me. Beautiful concept art that kind of say, okay, this is, this captures the look and the feel and the emotion of the time period that we're going to approach with uh, this High Republic storyline. And it's just beautiful. You have a white female Jedi leading the way on the cover of this book. Then to her right, you have a guy, I don't know, he looks like a commentator for college football, whatever. Uh, then you also have what might be a Twi'lek in the background, although it looks like he only has one of those little tentacle thingies on his head. So I don't know what his deal is. But then to the left... To the left of what may be our lead character, the female lead, you have the first ever Wookiee Jedi. And I think they knew that people would be very much into this uh, because they've already announced what this dude's name is. There's an article on io9 called Meet Buriaga Agaberry, Wookiee Jedi and a Very Good Star Wars Boy. So I encourage you to go out and check that out. But anyway, he looks awesome. He's sort of got a little hilt on his lightsaber. It doesn't have too many sabers sticking out of it like Kylo Ren's. But, it, you know, and, and the thing is, to me, I am not typically on board with something like the, the Lucasfilm story group coming out and saying it's like Knights of the Round Table, but in Star Wars. Because as you may know from listening to this podcast, I'm not a fan of the genrefication of Star Wars, which is to say, I don't want to see, now we'll do Star Wars in the vein of a Dirty Dozen, and now we'll do a Star Wars story in the vein of this old movie or this book. But anyways, in this case, I think it was good to pull a little bit from something like that. It looks very cool. And man, just to have another Wookiee, another Wookiee that we can love. Um, you know, people, it's okay if at some point we have to retire old beloved Chewie. I'm just really excited to start getting new stories with new characters and to be completely unbound and unchained to existing Star Wars canon. I just find that incredibly exciting. Uh, and then, like Steve said, there's another book 
that will come out uh, several months after uh, Charles Soule's Light of the Jedi, uh, which will be called Into the Dark by also beloved author Claudia Gray, as Steve mentioned. Also in the storyline, we've learned that there's a band of bad space pirates called the Nile. Not spelled like the River Nile, spelled N-I-H-L, like nihilistic. I personally don't love them, but I do think the Jedi look great, so I'm going to forget about the Nile for now. This High Republic announcement made me feel how I felt watching the Rebels finale epilogue. It was new. It was unexplored. It's bright and colorful. It's different, and it's great. Just on a tiny cynical note, this had me thinking— You know, after the original trilogy, and this is something we talked about on our first episode of Star Wars Dark Empire, which we'll be picking up in our next episode. So I encourage you to go back and listen to the first one of that. But we talked about how after the original trilogy came out, you know, for years, we craved more content from that time and place and with those characters in the Star Wars universe. And and stories were told for many, many years covering that time period. So it strikes me as strange that now after the sequel trilogy has come out and has been wrapped up. We're like, get us out of here. Like, we're not looking for t- for stories from that timeline. And I think that's kind of sad. And I don't know what the reason for that is. I don't know if, you know, years from now, we're going to look back and feel like we were kind of disappointed by the sequel trilogy. But it seems like we're, we're ready to move on. Let the past die. Kill it if you have to. But another great thing here is that They said it's not connected to anything that is in production in the TV and film universe of Star Wars. But given all the effort, all the time, they've been doing this, they've been working on this for a couple of years now uh, before actually coming out and announcing it and revealing it to the world. So given all that time, effort, money they've put into it, I have to believe there'd have to be a live action iteration of this at some point. And I, I have to think it'd be sooner than later. If this does well, and maybe they're going to wait to find out if it does well. They're going to wait to see how fans respond to it. I'd be shocked if there wasn't a good portion of the fandom that's very positive towards it. Um, Not just now, not knowing what it is, but after it comes out, I'm pretty confident that it's going to be fairly well liked. Um, So I would would think that it'll be on the the big screen or the relatively smaller screen, maybe on Disney Plus or something, in the not-too-distant future. <clears throat> and I'm very excited to see that. I'm I'm so excited to see. I mean, if we can just get Burry Aga Agaberry, which by the way, it's his name, Burry Aga Aga Burry. It's one of those. Uh, what do you call that? Tell us, move milkers. Those things that are kind of the same backwards and forwards, but not quite. Anyways, another thing that has me excited is not just Charles Soule, because I actually I don't know if I mentioned this, but I've never read any of his stuff. But I will take everyone's word for it that he's really great. And same goes for Claudia Gray. But I'm excited that there was actually 12 authors brought together by Disney. And that's something that they mention in the YouTube video as well. Um, They brought a very diverse group of people together that have all experienced Star Wars in a different way, that all like different things about it. And I think at this point, they're putting so much into it. Um, and, and, And Disney has really invested so much in Star Wars that they really want to create something for everyone. And that's a good thing because you don't have to like everything. There are going to be certain things that appeal to you and certain things that don't. Uh, Anyways, I'm really excited about that. I am not nearly as excited 
for the return of Star Wars The Clone Wars, and that is after having watched the first two episodes. But since we like to be positive on this podcast, let's hear what Steve has to say about it instead, because I think he's going to have a more positive take. And on a fi- I'm sorry this is going so long. Um, the Clone Wars has come out. Excellent show overall. I've enjoyed the first two episodes we've gotten. The first one was a bit slower, and I've seen a lot of criticisms for that online. But I think what people historically with the Clone Wars need to remember, the Clone Wars had lots of arcs, story arcs. And this season is going to be three story arcs out of 12 episodes. The first episode in an arc is always the slowest exposition-filled kind of world building of an episode and that's exactly what we got in episode one episode two was a lot better um the only thing that i thought was a little bit funny about the episode was that one clone that uh i don't know he's kind of like their incredible hulk and he's afraid of heights that's pretty funny i wasn't expecting that um but i like it brad i know you don't like it you're a hater you're chugging the hater aid that's what you do i respect it though because we're bros Guys, enjoy the podcast every time. Keep up the good work. See ya! Love you, Steve. Uh, that was great. I love it. I love it. And the thing is, um, <laughs> I really don't chug the haterade. Uh, I, I just don't, you know, like I said a minute ago, you don't have to like everything that comes out, you know. And I appreciate that this is for some people and it's not for me. Kind of for the reason that I mentioned already is that I feel like um, again, what I refer to as the genrefication of Star Wars. This, this to me felt like Predator for Kids or Dirty Dozen for Kids, or Predator for Star Wars. And that's fine. And I know some people really love that. So, you know, I'm very happy if people like it. Uh, Steve's absolutely right that the first episode, it's, you know, you're building a story. It's not a movie, so you don't have to get right into the action. You can build up a story over time. So you can sort of sow those seeds now and have them pay off in a big way later by doing it that way. So I agree with that. I agree to also that the second episode was better. It was more interesting. It was a lot of action, though. Like, I've never seen... I would love to take just the pure amount of time you listen to Blaster Fire. These are 23-minute episodes, probably, and you're probably taking seven of those minutes just to fire away at, like, dozens and dozens of useless battle droids. Just not that interesting to me. I I feel like you should be able to come up with 23 minutes of good story 12 times. Anyway, maybe that's too much to ask. But we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm willing to see where it goes. Granted, we haven't even got into anything with Ahsoka or Maul or any of the things that were really teased in uh, in the, the trailers for this season, this final season of The Clone Wars. So I, I have no doubt, Jeff and I have talked about this many times, that these animated series always start off slow, whether it's the beginning of, of an entire series or the beginning of a season. They always start off slow, and then they definitely get better as they go along. Right now, though, myself, I like Rebels much better. Granted, Rebels started off very slow for like a season or two, but I think where it got to in the last couple of seasons, for me, is much more enjoyable than than what the Clone Wars have gotten to most of the time. Uh, let's get to the fail bag, because other people besides Steve had weighed in. Uh, Artie, for one. Boy, I love Artie. Artie weighed in on our thoughts regarding The Mandalorian. Artie wrote a very, very, very thoughtful email Uh, regarding his feelings on, for example, The Mandalorian Chapter 6. As you know, if you listen to this podcast, I hated The Mandalorian Chapter 6, The Prisoner. It's the one where the Mando, for some reason, goes with Baby Yoda, hangs out with a bunch of super dangerous and anarchist bounty hunters, 
uh, on an adventure that obviously is going to put Baby Yoda in a ton of danger. Uh, I didn't love it, but Artie did. I'm going to reach a part of what he wrote. He said, okay, why do I like this episode? This episode truly shows just how weak and human Mando really is on a number of levels. It also shows how far he is willing to go in order to actually come across as just and kind. He helped that other bounty hunter who wanted to get into the guild. Oh, yeah, right. I remember that, Artie. That was stupid bounty hunter Bobby. Uh, He sticks to his non-desire to explain himself, like when he asked for the Binox. He assumes others are going to see that he's being genuine and will follow through on what he promises because he always does, even though he never explains how much he is willing to do in order to come through. All this being said, no other episode shows Mando's actual hand-to-hand abilities more than this one. That scene where he took out the droids single-handedly is amazing. I totally agree, Artie. Um, You know, these episodes, even the ones that I don't like, they certainly had things to go back and watch again. There's something good in all of them. And, you know, this is what you get with TV. You can have, like we talked about with Clone Wars, your sort of overarching storyline. But you can also have these sort of diversions that might be completely unrelated to the main storyline, but that do reveal other aspects of the character's personality. Uh, And so I think that's great. And I'm glad that Artie's loving it. And I certainly agree, you know, Artie liked the last couple episodes as well, um, which we here at the Skywalk certainly loved. Rui, Rui weighed in. Rui weighed in on our Star Wars Dark Empire episode one, which you can listen to now. It was our last episode. And we cover Star Wars Dark Empire issue number one, Rui says, listening to it, but without my copy, too much work trying to dig it out. That comic was such a great story. 90s rule. Rui, we couldn't agree more. You know who doesn't agree with that? Steelbook Steve, for some reason, doesn't like Dark Empire. But uh, I wouldn't let him tell me anything else about it. I'm just going to find out as we go. So hopefully you check that out. And again, that'll be our next episode. So to wrap this one up, uh, recommendations. Go listen to Star Wars Dark Empire episode one from the Skywalk. Then go out and read issue number two if you can. Kind of hard to get a hold of a physical copy. You can get them on eBay. You're probably going to pay more than 30 bucks if you want to get the whole series of six issues. But you can also get it uh, digitally on Amazon, Kindle, whatever stuff they do. I don't read. Other recommendation. I have to recommend Toy Story 4, which features, and I just noticed rewatching it again with my daughter this past week, that it features an Obi-Wan versus Ponda Baba action figure cameo. So if you watch the scene where Bo Peep takes Woody to meet sort of the like underground club scene in the back of the antique shop, uh, you can actually see Obi-Wan and Ponda Baba fighting each other and Obi-Wan lopping his arm off like he does in uh, in A New Hope. And it's hilarious. And you also get a Ricky Henderson, Oakland A's bobblehead cameo in the same stretch of like four seconds with the Obi-Wan thing. And it's just a stunningly beautiful movie in every way. It's what I call an after party, but maybe we'll get into that another time. It's sort of a film term that I came up with, and I would love to, uh, to dig into that with Jeff sometime on the Skywalk. This is Brett, and I'm just talking about Star Wars all the time on the Skywalk.